Welcome to the Invictus Church Podcast. We're grateful that you've chosen to listen, and we want to invite you to join us each week as we upload new content. Our prayer each week is that those who listen in would not just be stirred or inspired, but also changed. Now, get ready for life change with this week's message from Invictus Church. Well, everybody turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to be looking there at uh, the 8th chapter of Matthew. As you're turning there, I want you to think about the first time that you saw your favorite movie. If you love Jesus, you're thinking of Star Wars right now. (laughs) Just in case you wondered. Um, I remember the first time I saw Star Wars, I was about five years old. Yes, that makes me really old. And um, uh, I was about five years old, and my cousin took me to the theater to see it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to expect. I walked out of there forever changed, right? I was making the laser noises, running through the parking lot. I was talking about lifesavers because I had no idea what a lightsaber was, but I knew what a lifesaver, a little candy. I was like, I guess Obi-Wan calls that laser sword a lifesaver because it saves your life, unless you're Obi-Wan. And spoiler, he dies at the end of that movie. Um, But uh, anyway, I was super duper excited about Star Wars. I have been addicted to Star Wars ever since, and I have seen the movie, I don't know how many times, way too many to count, every potential version out there, even one where a guy download or, or... took Star Wars and completely re-edited the movie, cleaned up all kinds of stuff, added extra CGI things, um, fixed little mistakes. I mean, there's a scene where a stormtrooper's walking through a door and he bumps his head. Most people miss it, but Star Wars fans are aware of it. He fixes that. I mean, all kinds of crazy little details this guy fixes. And uh, I downloaded that copy that he did on his home computer, and it's my favorite version of Star Wars. It's amazing. I mean, it is like, wow, this is what Star Wars always should have been. And I'll never forget watching that the first time I downloaded it because it felt a lot like the first time I watched Star Wars. But the amazing thing is that even though it felt a lot like the first time I was watching it, it wasn't the first time, and so it wasn't quite as awesome, right? I mean, the first time you're experiencing something that makes you go, wow, it's like amazing. The first time you rode that roller coaster, the first time you got kissed, the first time you skied your first black diamond, the the first time that uh, you had uh, right after your LASIK surgery and you're like, oh my gosh, I can see leaves. There are individual leaves on trees. I can't tell you how many people say that. I'm like, didn't you already know? that there were individual leaves on trees. It's just weird, the things that people see when they have LASIK surgery. They're amazed by it. The first time you got a smartphone, you could not put it down, right? And you're driving down the road. Don't touch the phone. Don't touch the phone. And you touch the phone, (laughs) right? And now you're a pro. You're just like driving and clicking and you know getting people killed. Way to go. We don't do that around here. Don't text and drive or tweet and drive or any of that fun stuff. But the first time you got your smartphone, it was like, oh my gosh, for like a week, you couldn't stop touching it. And some of you, it's just stayed that bad. You need help. But um, maybe the first time you heard of somebody beating cancer. I mean, these are like those wow moments. But what about the second time? Or the third time, or the fifth time, or the 50th time. I mean, my my new iPhone can do a million times the things that my first iPhone could do. But I'm not as enamored with it as I was the first one, right? After you get kissed the 10th time, it's not quite as exciting as the first time. After you ride that roller coaster again 50 times at 
at King's Island the 50th time, the picture of you is this, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just not as exciting as it once was. This is something called the law of diminishing returns. Everybody say law of diminishing returns. <laughs> it is a thing where once you experience something awesome, no matter how awesome it is, it's never as awesome as it was the first time. And it loses a little bit of its shine every time. See, this is why we become addicts. Because first time you had a drink, you're like, man, that feels really great. And then the tenth time, you're like, man, I just drank three quarts of vodka, and I'm not feeling anything, right? And, and well, if you drink that much, you're probably feeling a whole lot. But, you know, you're... you're it's just not the same, and that's why you have to drink more. That's why you have to experience more. That's why the law of diminishing returns. Today, we're going to look at something that is a lot less spectacular to us today than it used to be. Uh, it, it's a lot less spectacular today to us because of several things. First, because of modern medicine. The thing we're going to talk about today, there's actually a cure for today. And we don't, we don't see it when we're walking up and down the streets of Cincinnati. It's also lost its shine because if you've been in the church for a while, you've probably heard this story before. Even if you're not a believer and this is your first time to ever set foot in a church, it's possible that you've heard of Jesus healing people. It's also not that spectacular because we weren't there. You ever notice that, the person telling you the story about the first time they did whatever? They're like, it was the coolest thing in the world. And they're like the most excited person in the room, and everybody's going, that's really neat. But nobody there is nearly as excited as the person telling the story. Because unless you're there, it's, eh, okay, sounds cool. Maybe I'll try it one day, but it's not that amazing to you. As a result... We're going to look at something today in Scripture that very seldom, sadly, does it, it seldom makes us stop and go, say, what? What did Jesus just say? Let's review the guiding principle of this series. We've talked about this every week in this series, and that is every time Scripture makes you think, say, what? What's the rest of it say? It's the teach me something powerful and life-changing. Let's do that again. Every time scripture makes you think, say what? It's to teach you something powerful and life-changing. A lot of times when we come to these weird parts of the Bible, we kind of gloss over them or we think that's confusing, so I'm going to go on to something that I understand a little bit more. Jesus said something weird, did something weird. <clears throat> I'm going to brush that to the side and get to the part where he's like, love your neighbor. Yes, that I can understand. And um, uh, so we, we many times we'll see confusing things in the Bible, you think, well, I think I'll, I'll ask somebody at church or a fellow believer or my pastor uh, or a staff person at church, what does that mean? And then whatever they say, I'll go, yeah, that, that must be what it means. I'm just going to accept that. We kind of don't have a tendency to dive in ourselves and figure this stuff out because sometimes it's hard, but I want you to understand something. If you take time to process these things, if you take time to meditate on these things, these things that go say, what? You know, that's weird. Why did Jesus say, stop, process, pray, God, what are you teaching me in this? When you learn about the history and the culture and what Jesus was saying in that particular setting, it will blow your mind. Those things are in there so that God can teach you something amazing. Don't skip over it. Some of the best parts of the Bible are the parts that make you go, say what? 
Don't avoid it because it's uncomfortable or because maybe you don't agree with it or because you don't like it or because you don't understand it. Dive into it. I triple dog dare you to let God change you with these powerful words from Scripture. Now, the background of today's story is this, that Jesus had recently started his ministry. He'd worked a few miracles, and word was spreading. People all over the region were like, you got to come check out this Jesus dude. He heals people. When he talks, it's amazing. It's like he just sucks us in with his words. It's profound. And a huge crowd had just gathered with him and listened to a long sermon. Now, for those of you who don't like long sermons on Sunday morning, let me tell you, I ain't got nothing on Jesus. This guy preached for three entire chapters in the Bible, Mark 5, 6, or Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's his most famous message. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Thousands of people without microphones, without videos, without all kinds of comic relief. <laughs> Thousands of people showed up to listen to Jesus talk, and he went on and on and on and on and on and on. And it was like, Okay, Jesus, is this ever going to end? It was one long, crazy sermon. But people weren't like, oh, finally, that was over, man. Let's hurry up and get the skyline. You know, they, they were wanting more. And so as Jesus is walking down this mountain, large crowds keep following him. So here's Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, right after he's, got, uh, after he's finished up his longest message, Here's what we find. Matthew 8, verse 1. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Now, let's just pause right now. That was the moment where the people saw and heard what Jesus did, and they went, what did he just do? What did he just say? It was shocking and almost scandalous, and you'll understand why here in just a minute. And when did this happen? Instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Everybody just saw it, Jesus. <laughs> but he says, don't tell anybody about this. I want you to do something else first. Instead, go to the priest and tell him, examine, and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been cleansed uh, or have healed of, been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Now, the say what moment in today's passage is more about what Jesus did than just what he said. It wasn't just be healed that was shocking. Now, imagine how shocking it would be if today you went down to University Hospital here in Cincinnati and started walking down the halls, be healed, be healed, right? You start doing that, people are going to look at you and go, say what, right? They're going to be shocked. They're going to think that's weird. It wasn't just that Jesus did that weird thing. It was that Jesus touched this man, and said, I'm willing. Now, why is that so shocking? Leprosy is also known by, in modern medicine as something called Hansen's disease. It's a bacteri bacterial affection. Where it shows up as skin lesions. 
Um, if you leave it untreated, it, all these bumps and things start to appear on a person's skin, it can cause permanent skin damage and damage to the nerves and to the limbs and to the eyes. So many people who get leprosy go blind. Many of them, their fingers get so sick, they start to rot and to fall off. Uh, many people... They'll, they'll lose the end of their nose. They might lose ears, fingers, toes, parts of their lips. Pieces of them literally start to come off and decay. Now, would you want to touch that? Especially 2,000 years ago when antibiotics had never been discovered. It's a bacterial infection. Today, it's simple. You get leprosy, you go to the doctor, and they're like, yo, here's some amoxicillin or something strong like that, and bam, few days later, no more leprosy. That didn't exist then. If you got leprosy, it was a life sentence. Now, some of you may go, well, wasn't it a death sentence? Not necessarily. You can live a long, long, long time with this debilitating disease. And the way that the culture dealt with it was if you came down with leprosy, you were sent into exile to a leper colony. You weren't allowed to live with your wife and kids anymore. You weren't allowed to go to your job. You were sent on the outskirts of town to live in a homeless camp with other people like you who were unclean. And you were commanded by the law, wherever you walked, to say, unclean, 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 so people knew to get out of your way. If they didn't see you coming, they'd hear you coming, and they'd quickly move. I got to get out of the way because here comes somebody that's unclean and I don't want that. Many times when leprosy would affect a person's body as the skin would start to decay, it would begin to flake off and peel off and it would look like large white patches of skin. This is an awful, awful, debilitating disease to live with and it has affected human beings for over 4,000 years that we know of, maybe longer. Today, it's treatable with antibiotics, but it isn't treated everywhere. Not everybody in today's world has access to the medicines that you and I have. In fact, today, there are still more than 1,000 leper colonies in India. You know, the people that answer the phone every time you call Microsoft? This country that obviously knows something about technology... They do all of our software phone calls. They don't have medicine that you and I have. You get leprosy there, you go live in a leper colony. Now, that's how societies without medicine have historically dealt with it, by putting people into exile, and this was certainly the case in Jesus' lifetime. And so as Jesus and these thousands of people are walking down the mountainside, here comes a guy that every one of those thousands of people wanted desperately to avoid. Comes and stands in their way, and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I'm willing, and touched him. I can just imagine when his hand was placed on the man that all of the people behind, there must have been the loudest audible gasp that you've ever heard. <gasps> he just did what? This was tempting fate. Jesus was risking it. 
Now, some quick takeaways. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. I don't have them in your notes, but just some quick takeaways to me. Jesus was more concerned about the leper's well-being than he was his own. Think about that. How often are we like that? More often we make decisions based on what's good for our well-being rather than what's good for the well-being of another person. Jesus said, I care more for his well-being than for my own. I'm willing to risk it to touch him. Jesus' actions communicated, I'm not too good for you. He's not too good for anyone. How many times have I sat uncomfortably at the light there's a homeless person standing right there holding a sign. And I just pretend they're not there. Don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me. I don't have any cash on me. I feel like a jerk, but you're probably just going to use it for drugs, right? We've all had those thoughts. You're just going to go buy booze. I'm not going to give you any money. I'm just, just ignore him. Come on, turn green, turn green. Anybody else ever been one of those lights that felt like it would never change? You know what we're doing in those moments? Gosh, this is convicting to me. We're treating them like we're too good for them. That's not necessarily our intent. Sometimes we're nervous, we're afraid. I mean, we live in a world that's messed up. By the way, I heard a great tip on Facebook. This one's a freebie. If you ever pick up a hitchhiker and they say something like, aren't you afraid that you might have picked up uh, a serial killer? Here's how you answer them. Well, the odds of there being two serial killers in the car is pretty rare, don't you think? <laughs> like, that's brilliant. I might start using that as soon as they get in. Hey, I'd love to give you a ride, but I'm a serial killer. And then they slam. All right. I tried. Jesus communicated to them, I'm not too good for you. In fact, I want you to understand something. Jesus is not too good for you. He's not too good for anyone. A lot of people feel like, well, I can't become a Christian. I can't really surrender my life because I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. You're right. You don't deserve it. Accept it. What could this man have done to deserve healing? Did he come to Jesus with a pile of gold? Did he come to Jesus, if you'll heal me, man, I got a load of favors I can do you. Who you need killed, Jesus? I'm in the mob. I mean, he, he didn't come along with any, any kind of agenda except just help me. And when Jesus said, I'm willing, did the guy say, no, 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 I changed my mind. I don't deserve it. How foolish are we when we reject something free by saying, I don't deserve it. When you walk through the mall and the guy's there at the, the little uh, Cajun restaurant or chicken restaurant or whatever, and he's like, you want a free sample? How many people, not, a lot of people walk by and say, no, thank you. But how many people walk by and say, no, I don't deserve it? Like, free chicken! Can I have six, right? You walk by wearing a hoodie, then you take your hoodie off so you can get another one. Then you change your T-shirt so you can get a third one. Put the hoodie on inside out, got a fourth, and you're like, what else can I do? I want more samples. 
We take free stuff all the time, but when Jesus offers us the most profound and powerful and amazing free thing in the world, forgiveness of our sin and salvation, we say, nah, I'm not good enough. Wow. There's a Greek word for that. Looked it up in the Greek New Testament, in a Greek, in a Greek lexicon, a Greek uh, dictionary. It's dumb. Take it. Accept it. Receive it. Third little quick thing to note is that if Jesus is willing to, un, to touch the untouchable, so should we. Who's untouchable in your life? That annoying neighbor or coworker? Or that person that every time you're around, they act like they're totally good, but they completely reek of weed? Somebody of a different race? somebody of a different religion, a different socioeconomic level, someone who's sick, someone who's homeless, someone who's disabled. You're like, I'm a little too uncomfortable for that, so let somebody else take care of them. The biggest takeaway, though, is not these things that I've just mentioned. It's this. The biggest takeaways in this passage are not about the physical stuff. The biggest takeaways in this passage are about the spiritual significance of Jesus' actions. Leprosy to the Hebrew people, to the Jews. Leprosy throughout their history, all the way back to the time of Moses, was considered by the Hebrew people to be a representation, a physical representation of sin. And that's because God told them this. He said, when you see somebody with leprosy, I want you to understand, leprosy is a picture of what sin does to you. Now, here's where they got it distorted. The Hebrews got it distorted and started to think, if you have leprosy, you're a bad sinner, and that's why you got it. But that's not what God ever intended. When you read about leprosy in the Old, in the Old Testament, God was telling the Hebrew people, leprosy is a picture of what sin does to us. It's not a sign that I'm judging the person who has it. It's a picture to everyone so that you can learn just as sin is rotting that person alive, just as sin is causing their digits to fall off and causing them to slow or slowly die a painless death. Sin does the same thing. Sin rots your soul. Sin eats away at you on the inside and deteriorates who you are. And many times you don't even feel it. And you wake up one morning and think, where did my fingers go? What happened to my marriage? Where did my family go? How did I get in this situation? How did I destroy everything in my life? You did it by ignoring the sickness in your soul for so long that it took you down. We've all had moments in our lives where we've woken up and we've felt that. How did I ever let it go so long? That's what sin does to us. Sin is a wretched soul condition that can only be healed miraculously. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew people were not instructed to go to the doctor if they had leprosy. The Lord's treatment, go to the priest and ask to be cleansed. And the priest will pray. He will do these things. And if it's my will, you'll be healed. Now, 
Very few times in the Old Testament do we see examples of somebody being healed of leprosy. It happened in the Old Testament, but almost never. And so the people kind of got numb to the fact that there was lepers walking around and they've prayed for healing and they've gone to the priest and they're not healed and it almost never happens. It hadn't happened in my lifetime. I've never seen it, so I guess it's just never really going to happen. So when these people saw it happen with their own eyes, they were shocked. This was breaking news. Big deal. Jesus just healed a guy who had a disease that couldn't be healed. Now, why did Jesus do that? And why did he tell him to be quiet and to go to the priests? Because Jesus was sending a clear message to the priests, the Messiah, the promised anointed one of God who would come and cleanse people of their sins has arrived. Was Jesus' mission to come cleanse people of leprosy? No, it was to cleanse us of the leprosy of our souls. It was to save us, to radically, permanently alter who we are and change the course of our lives. So I want you to take a couple of notes today regarding the takeaways from this say what moment. The first one is this, spiritual healing is the greatest thrill ever. No roller coaster, no personal physical experience, no drug, no drink, no activity is ever going to change you fundamentally the way spiritual healing will. When Jesus changes your sin-sick soul, it is a high that is incomparable. Now, let me be clear here. If you're not a follower of Christ today, and in a few moments you say, yes, I want to become a follower of Christ, I'm not promising that you're going to feel like you're flying on top of the world. Spiritual healing is not an emotional thing. It's not this physical thing that you feel. You're not going to be like, I saw stars and an angel from heaven came down. And it was Roma Downey, you know, the lady from Touched by an Angel. And she spoke to me in an English accent. And, you know, none of that's going to happen. If it does, you're probably on some bad stuff this morning, right? And um, you're not going to be like, woo, I felt tinglys all over my body and... You're probably not going to hear God speak. But it's a high that you can't explain. Something in your life starts to change. You can't quite put words to it. You're like, I'm still a mess. I still sin. I still blow it. But... I'm forgiven. And that starts to change you. When you realize how Jesus has made you clean, notice scripture never uses the terminology making you clean. When Jesus has forgiven you, you are forgiven. When he's made you clean, there's a weight that falls off of your shoulders. Now, many of you, maybe you're Christians today, and you'd say, I've never felt that weight leave. 
I still feel this awful burden and this tension in my soul because I feel like I can't be good enough for what I've been given. Some churches teach that you have to maintain a particular kind of lifestyle in order to keep your salvation. And that can weigh a person down when you feel like it's Jesus plus something. I've got to live a holy life or else I'm going to lose it kind of stuff. That adds a pressure on people that is almost unbearable for some. And I want you to understand something. Today, the Lord wants to free you from the weight. He wants to free you from the weight. Spiritual healing is the greatest thrill ever. When God stoops down from heaven to touch the sin-sick soul, there is no higher high. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many people? Only the righteous? Everyone. Only those who are really good looking? Everyone. Only Americans? Everyone. Everyone, the addict, the leper, the person with road rage, the person who is just so sarcastic they can't be nice to anybody, the person who has anger issues, struggling with porn addiction, battling other addictions, the gossip, the liar, the cheater, the thief, even the person who hates, the racist, the bigot, Jesus wants to heal them all, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's tragic when we get used to that. At our church every week we ask people to give their life to Christ and almost every single week at least somebody does. I want you to understand something else I told you that's unusual in churches. High attendance in summer is unusual, but let me tell you what's even more unusual and this is heartbreakingly sad to me. It is unusual for people to get saved in church every week. You're a part of something special here, not better than other churches. Something special, though. In the New Testament, when we see the first church, the early church, it says daily there were those who were being added to their number. Man, we're missing the mark when here it's only happening weekly. But I've been in many churches where it might happen once a year, twice a year. Five times a year. Guys, we're a part of something neat that God's doing. Let's not get used to it. We get into this habit, you know, hey, let's celebrate what God did. Obligatory clap. All right, let's get on with it so that we can go eat. What's better? Like, if if, if I brought somebody up here with cancer and healed them, you'd be freaking out. 
You'd be running out of here every week telling people about it. We saw somebody healed from cancer. It was amazing. There was an amputee missing a leg. Alan laid his hand on the guy's head and boop, a new leg popped out. Woo! Right? We'd be telling people about that. Call Dateline. Call 2020. Every week, Jesus is healing leprosy of the soul in this room, and we're like, okay. We got something better than limbs popping out. We have souls coming back together, lives being changed, not for just this earth. If I give a guy a new leg, he's still going to get arthritis in it someday. But when you get a new soul, you have it for eternity. It's profound. Let's never get used to it. Second thing I want you to write down, a big takeaway from this story, is that spiritual healing is an act of grace. It's an act of grace. Was the leper worthy of Jesus' favor? No. Could he have ever truly repaid Jesus? No. Nothing that we can do can ever make us worthy of spiritual healing. We can never earn it. We can never repay it. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says God saved you by his what? By his grace. And you can't take credit for this. It is the what? Gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done so none of us can boast about it if you could get to heaven by your own good works you know what you could do you could get to heaven and be arrogant look at me man i made it dude pete you and i got there we are awesome but you know my wretched heathen wife stacy she didn't make it dummy (laughs) right and none of that's going to be going on in heaven none of us are going to be taking credit for squat we're going to say to God be the glory for the great things he has done he forgave me he cleansed me he saved me he forgave me by accepting Jesus' grace. We can't try to clean ourselves up so that we can get to heaven. Some of you are trying to do that. You need to understand it's impossible. Accepting Jesus' grace, sometimes we we still try to clean ourselves up so that we can feel worthy. And some of you are here today and you need to stop trying to repay it. You can't repay it. Now, does that mean that you shouldn't be good? Absolutely not. We should live a changed life. Why? Out of gratitude. I am wanting to pay Jesus back with my life, but I have to understand I can't. Now, here's why this is important. Because when I blow it, if I think I can repay it somewhere, And somehow and sometime, when I blow it, I'm going to beat myself up. I'm going to abuse myself mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Stupid idiot. You're a failure. You're a dummy. And that is the voice of Satan trying to destroy you and drag you down and make you ineffective. When you are walking in firmly in the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ, you can say, I blew it, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, I want to be different. I want to change. I'm going to do better, but 
I know I'm a mess and I can't do it. It, it, it gives you some leeway. It, it gives you grace. If God gives us grace, shouldn't we be able to give ourselves some? How can you possibly expect yourself to be so perfect all the time? You can't be. Does that mean you shouldn't try? No, try. But don't hurl insults upon yourself and beat yourself up when you blow it. That's Satan trying to destroy you and make you feel terrible. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is a spiritual high. Don't feel destroyed and distraught about it. Accept what God has done. Believe in what he has done. It is enough. You will never feel worthy of heaven. You'll never feel it. Feeling worthy is not an emotion. Being worthy. That's what Jesus does. He makes you worthy. You don't feel worthy. You are worthy because of his work, not because of yours. Third thing I want you to write down. When you're cleansed, you're clean. You're like, wow, thanks for the rocket science, Alan. I want you to really process that for just a minute. When you are cleansed, you are clean. This sounds like an obvious truth, but we don't always live like it's that obvious. Here's what I mean by it, a couple of things. First of all, until you're cleansed, you're not clean. If you've been putting off accepting Jesus' healing of your soul, you are not clean. You are still sick. You are still cut off. You are still in exile from God. Just like lepers in a leper colony. But if you say, yes, Jesus, I accept it. Then after he's cleansed you, you are clean. You don't have to wake up in the morning and go... Did the leprosy come back? You are clean. You are clean. You are clean. You are clean. Once you are clean, you are clean. Some of you need to stop trying to be worthy of heaven and simply rejoice in the fact that you are going there. You know why some of us have a hard time worshiping? Because of how we feel rather than worshiping God based on the truth. I felt goosebumps today, so I raised my hands, or I was like, oh, that person sang a particular way, and it made me feel like I could worship God. If you have to have somebody help you feel like you can worship God, you're not really worshiping God. You're worshiping a feeling. Worshiping God comes means no, somebody could sing completely off-key and backwards in Swahili, and you should be able to worship you know why? Because the king of the universe cleaned your messy life up, and that's enough. If that's not enough to make you fall on your knees before a holy God and say, he is worthy of my worship, then no amount of glitz and glam and American idleness can make you feel like worshiping. 
Worship is not about an emotional state of your heart. Worship is about the condition of your soul. If you have been cleansed, you are clean, and you say, God, I cannot help but be grateful to you because without you, I would be damned. I would be separated from you. I would be in exile. I would be in suffering, but instead I'm forgiven. Oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what it means to worship. Let it sink in to the very core of your being. When you are cleansed, you are clean. And there is nothing in the universe better than that. There is no greater high by his grace You are forgiven. By his grace, you are healed. By his grace, you are perfect. Quit trying to live for God's approval. And today, start living from his approval. He has forgiven you. He loves you. He does approve of you because you are clean. Let that fact sink in and you will never, never, never be the same. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the Invictus Church podcast. Be sure to tune in every week for more new content. We'd like to invite you to join us in person for our weekend worship services. To get more information about our meeting times and location, please visit us online at www.invictus.church. If this or any of our episodes have inspired you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus, please let us know by sending us a note at info at invictus.church. We would love to hear how our message has helped change your life. Also, if our podcast has been meaningful for you and you'd like to give financially to our ministry, you can easily make your contribution online at www.invictus.church give. Thanks one more time for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week.